You're listening to another great message from Northside Community Church. Uh, We have been asking for the last couple of weeks uh, whether or not it could be possible that in 2014 you're a person who uh, in the faces and the face of trials is someone who is resolved and unshakable. If you're the sort of person in 2014 that's not going to shy away from your challenges nor uh, are, gonna, are you going to be the sort of person who buckles under pressure? And we've been exploring how you could become that sort of person. And what we have discovered is it is possible, some of the promises that we get from God's Word, it is possible when you are planted. Uh, that is that when your, your soul sinks its spiritual roots down into this never-ending life stream that is God, that's what we learned last week in Psalm 1. And that it is possible if you are planted to remain resilient through circumstances, to remain an evergreen, to remain full of life through tough circumstances if those roots are sunk deep. So we've looked week one at what it means to be planted in God. And this week we're going to look at what it means to be planted in truth. And already the ears are pricking up a little bit because we're thinking, where are we going to go with this? Knowing the society that we live in at the moment... What does it mean to be planted in truth? And this week I'm saying to be planted in truth is to have an obedience to an active truth found in the words of God or what we call here in church the Bible. To have an active, an obedience to an active truth found in the words of God. In in practical terms, what I'm asking tonight is that is there an ultimate truth? Is there an ultimate line? Is there an ultimate benchmark? Is there an ultimate conviction that never changes regardless of the circumstances that you face? Whether tough, whether advantageous, is there something deep within you that never changes? That's what it means to be planted in truth. So here's what we'll see from the passage when we go to it. Here's what I've got tonight for us. Uh, Being planted changes your relationship to truth. Uh, Being planted changes your relationship to the truth about Jesus. And being planted changes your relationship to truth so that truth changes you. That's where we're going. Uh, Let's turn to John chapter 17. Uh, if If ever there was a book written in the world, the ultimate book written in the world, I think it's the Gospel of John. If ever there was an ultimate chapter of the ultimate book in the world, it's John chapter 17. What we're heading into now is, uh, is what I've heard people dub the conversation at the centre of the universe. Here is Jesus praying to God the Father in the upper room the night before he's about to go to his own death. So we're eavesdropping in at the conversation at the centre of the universe. I'm going to read from verses 6 uh, through to 9 and then from, 10 through to, from 14 through to 17. I've revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but those you have given me for they are yours. Verse 14 says, I've given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. 
My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Truth, truth. I thought there's two approaches I could take tonight. There's the, uh, there's the lazy approach and there's the more considered approach. Have you guys got any preference on which way I go? Uh, the, the lazy approach for any preacher is to say, well, the Bible is the truth of God and you need to believe the truth of God and that's the end of the message. Go home and believe the truth of God. Uh, we can have a more considered approach and to recognise that we come from a society in which the word truth doesn't quite have the meaning that it used to. And that's why to be planted in the truth firstly means that being planted changes your relationship to the truth. Now, what is truth? Oh, that's not a question. That's, that's a statement. That's, that's the sort of statement that you hear when you're at a water cooler in the workplace and conversations got a little bit interesting. It, what is truth is the, the way that a friend, as they're swirling their wine glass at one of your sophisticated parties during the week, uh, your non-Christian friend has said to you, you know, well, what is, what is truth uh, when they realise that uh, you're a religious person, as they would say it? Uh, what, it, what is truth is the sort of questions that you could be seen in school playground. It's the, it's the question that constantly gets asked all the time. And it's a question that you might be asking yourself tonight. And that's totally okay to be asking that, that question tonight. In fact, I want you to be asking that question tonight. But what I want us to see is, are you asking that question genuinely or are you asking that question cheekily? Are you asking it genuinely or asking it cheekily? We'll get to what I mean in a sec. But is it me or is it, just, is it really cool to ask what is truth these days? Oh, yeah, what is truth, man? It's, it's, I mean, I'm, 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 see, I'm getting intellectual on you, man. What is truth, yeah? Yeah? It's, it's, it's cool these days to ask what is truth. And why is that? Because, look, we live in what we call a postmodern world now. And, uh, and, and people didn't really ask that question up until a couple of hundred years ago when we had this thing in history called the Enlightenment, the Age of Reasoning. And, and out of it, you know, up until that point, truths were either on one hand objective or on the other hand subjective. An objective truth would be, for example, if I decide to eat a tub of ice cream every day for the next 10 weeks, I'm probably going to get fat. That's just an objective truth. That's just a reality that we know. A subjective truth might be, for example, that I believe that uh, country music is God's gift to the world. And Keith Urban is God's gift to country music. Now, of course, that's a a subjective truth. None of of you would necessarily agree with me on that country music issue because... Uh, you don't believe that Keith Urban is a real country music singer in the first place. He's pop country. So that is a subjective truth. But postmodernism says that our relationship to the truth is always relative. <laughs> Isn't it Tim Rice or Lloyd Webber or one of those guys in Jesus Christ Superstar? Pen those amazing words. What is truth? Unchanging laws? Is my truth the same as yours? It's cool now to ask what is truth. We're modern people, yeah, man? Now, we think we're modern, but we're not that modern because there was a guy, there was a Roman governor uh, about a, th- a couple of thousand years ago who, who asked that question. In fact, he was the one in Jesus Christ Superstar, the musical, that spoke those words. Right? It, was, it was this Roman governor called Pontius Pilate, and if you flick a couple of pages ahead, ahead in your Bible, I, I tried to make it easy for you tonight. It's just in chapter 18, not 17. 
There's this wonderful encounter at the back of the palace with uh, Jesus and Pontius Pilate. And Jesus is, uh, had been handed over to Pontius Pilate. The days, uh, the hours are, are counting down now as, as he heads towards the cross. And they have a little conversation. Pilate sits with truth and stares truth in the eyes. And listen to what they say. Pilate goes back to the palace. He summons Jesus and says, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus says, is that your own idea? Or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate said. It was your people and your chief priests who handed you over to me. What, what is it that you've done? Jesus said, my kingdom's not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. You're a king then, says Pilate. Jesus answered, you're right in saying I'm a king. In fact, for this reason I was born and for this reason I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? Pilate asked. What is truth? It's not a modern idea. Commentators say there that that, that Pilate is is merely just reflecting uh, an everyday doctrine. In other words, here's a question for you. When he's asking what is truth, is Pilate being genuine or is he being cheeky? Because uh, writer, the writer Joy Davidman says he's being cheeky. He, he didn't actually. She didn't say that he's being cheeky. That's me. Uh, she, she said it, it, it really wasn't a sincere question. He was implying a doctrine fashionable at the time. It is the lie of the skeptic, who rather than face their own inadequacies, will even doubt their own reality, and thus they question even such things as truth. Why, you know, why are we talking about this? Remember last week, Q&A on the ABC, and uh, the, the, the Christian guy Hitchens gets up and talks about his belief in the truth of Jesus Christ and Hannah Rosen, the editor of The Atlantic in the USA, interjects on the panel and says, well, who gets to decide what behaviour is corrupt? What, I, what is truth? Unchanging laws? Is my truth the same as yours? You, you, you see the world that we're living in? <laughs> We all, at some point, are Pontius Pilate at one point or another when it comes to dealing with this historical figure called Jesus. We're all, we're all Pilates at one point. That's a, that's a good thing. We need to ask the question, what is truth? But my question for you tonight is, how are you asking the question? Are you being genuine about it? Or are you being cheeky about it? See, the, 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 you can be genuine, but the cheekiness is really a guise. It's a mask It's a mask for the person who questions truth because to obey the truth may not be the personally advantageous thing to do at the time. You you know those sorts of people? That I'm all for truth and I'm all for morality and I'm all for the the, the nice principles of the Bible until it pushes against me. Is, Is there anything within you that never changes regardless of the circumstances? Christianity is distinct here from the rest of the world. Christianity says there are moral absolutes. Christianity says there is an ultimate truth. Christianity says there is a truth about God and there is a truth about humanity and there is a truth for every human being and every person and every culture around the world. There is truth. Truths that are universal to the human condition. And so, in other words, to be planted firstly is to say that my relationship to truth is changed. Truth is not relative to the Christian. 
It's, it's to say I stand upon that. And all I'm asking tonight is if you're asking what is truth, is are you being genuine or are you being cheeky? So being planted, you, you change your relationship to truth. Are you with me? No one's got sort of an intellectual nosebleed at the moment. I know, I know it's big picture stuff. See, here's the other thing that happens when you get planted into truth. Uh, you are changed not only in your relationship to the truth, but you're changed in your relationship to the truth about Jesus. There's, uh, there was a great article that I've read recently, thanks to a Northsider who flicked it through, called uh, The Jesus Meme by Simon Smart, and uh, he works for the Centre of Public Christianity with John Dixon. And it's a fantastic article, but I got caught up more in the comments to his article that got published on the Drum website, which is part of the ABC, uh, because his was a one-page article, except there were 65 pages of comments in response to his, question, his article around uh, the nature of Jesus Christ and the centrality of him in human history. And here's, here's one of the comments that stood out for me. Have a listen to this. This is from Matt from WA. Uh, broadly speaking, there are lots of good things in the teachings of Jesus. As a philosophy of life, his teachings are fine. It's unfortunate, though, that, that those sentiments have had to be saddled with the baggage of supernaturalism, not to mention the truly barbaric Old Testament, in order to get any traction throughout history. Give me Jesus the philosopher, or Jesus the moralist, or Jesus the teacher, and I can live with that. But the magical, personal, universe-creating deity? Not necessary in this day and age. Now, what, what is Matt from WA saying here? Uh, Matt from WA is saying, I can handle the moral genius that Jesus Christ is. I can handle the philosophical genius that, uh, that Jesus Christ is. I can handle uh, the truths of Jesus Christ, but the magical, personal, universe-creating deity, not, no, not, not necessary. And what I love about it is Matt from WA, doesn't he represent the ultimate modern person? He is the ultimate modern person. I'm okay with the truth from Jesus, but I'm not okay with the truth about Jesus. You see the difference? See the nuance? I'm, I'm okay with the truth from Jesus. I'm not about Jesus. And here's my thesis, and that is that a Christian is planted in truth, not just because they've changed their relationship to truth. So first of all, truth is not relative. It's objective. It's universal. But secondly, a, a person is a Christian because they have a certain relationship to the truth about Jesus. I mean, notice I didn't say, you know, it's, it's not just their relationship to truth. I mean, the, the, the white pages, you go home, it's, it, there's a lot of truth in the white pages. I'm sure if I go in and dial 94397822, it will call up Northside Community Church. There is truth in the phone book, but is it a truth that's going to change your life? No. Uh, the, uh, what, what we're saying here is that what will change your life, Jesus says, verse 8, your life will be changed when you receive the truth about me. Verse 8, for I gave them the words you gave me and they accepted them and they knew with certainty that I came from you and they believed that you sent me. Off that statement alone, these guys went and turned the world upside down. These are a bunch of guys who at times weren't the sharpest tools in the shed. These are times who, guys who time and time again failed this guy, Jesus. But these are guys, the vast majority of them died claiming the very things that he taught them. Now, you, you, you see the difference? A Christian has a changed attitude, not only to truth, but the truth about Jesus. And here's why it's so important for you tonight. Because on one hand, there are, there are people here tonight that you might not think that you're a Christian. 
Because there's no sense of love and there's no sense of joy and there's no excitement. There might even be ill feeling towards God tonight. There might be anger towards God tonight. And you say, I can't be a Christian if I feel that way. And yet, and yet you are because you knew that there was a point in your life where you were changed to the truth about Jesus Christ. You know, and there, there are people here tonight who have got all sorts of baggage with them and you, you think your life is an absolute mess and you think you're hopeless and you're just in an emotional and a mental position where you can't give anything to anyone at the moment. And you say, I can't be a Christian. But the truth is you are because there was a point in time in your life where you were changed to the truth about Jesus Christ. And yet, on the other hand, there are people here tonight who are like Matt from WA. And you're checking things out and you're saying, I can take the teacher and I can take the moral genius and I can take the philosophical genius, but I can't take the truth about Jesus Christ. You you see, whether or not you're a Christian is not dependent on your circumstances or your emotions or your feelings. Whether or not you are planted in the truth has to do with your attitude towards the truth about Jesus. And isn't that always what the Bible is saying? It's so narrow-minded about this. And he was always going around saying, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am, Matt from WA? And what is that truth about Jesus? The first thing is we believe the truth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He's not a moral teacher. He's, he's not a great philosopher. In fact, he's all of those things, but he's, he's the word become flesh. You know, John says in his statement, in his statutory declaration, we beheld his glory, we saw it. This guy is God. But more than that, remember verse 8, and they believe that you sent me. The second truth about Jesus is that this is a guy on a mission. This is a God on a mission. That the the very God of the universe has come in and he's busted a hole through the front door of the earth and he's walked in and he's scooped us up and there's a grand rescue plan to take you back to the life that you were meant to live. And this almighty and wonderful God, there's a truth about that. And he tipped a couple of these ragtag bag of guys called the disciples thousands of years ago. And they went telling people around the countryside about it. And it spread there and across into Europe and all throughout Greece and down and into England and across in ships. And it's down here tonight in Crow's Nest. He's God and he's God on a mission. That's the truth about Jesus Christ. That's what makes you a Christian. And you see, here's the other thing. Jesus understood these words from God to be a revelation of a true reality about how human life was meant to be lived. That's the wonderful thing about not only understanding the truth about Jesus, but from Jesus, is he's saying this is how it's meant to live. When he says that I've given them your truth, he's saying I've given them a framework, a body of truth that shows these guys how to live. My Uncle Bruce, uh, I love my Uncle Bruce. He is a unique individual. And uh, he goes to my cousin Howard, who's a mechanic, does all of our cars for us on the cheap. And he says, um, my, Howard, my car's not working too well. Uh, it's spluttering. It's, it's making all sorts of weird noises. The engine sometimes stops. It starts grinding a little bit. I don't know what's going on. Uh, can you have a look at it? About five minutes later, Howard uh, comes around from the, the, the side of the car and he says, Bruce, when was the last time that you changed the oil in this Toyota Camry? Bruce is like, oh, 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 I've never changed the oil. Where does it say to change the oil? <laughs> and Howard, Howard goes in, he reaches, he reaches into the glove box, he, he pulls it out, he grabs out the owner's manual and he says, Bruce, what the heck is this? It's, it's the owner's manual. What does it say here that you're supposed to fill the car with oil 
every three months or when you see the warning light on the dash. It's pretty simple stuff. And part of the reason why the car's going so crazy is that he, he hadn't serviced his vehicle in accordance with the designer's operating manual. I guess what I'm saying when it comes to the truth of Jesus is, could it be that some of the pains that you're experiencing in your life at the moment is it's not just bad luck or circumstantial, but it's because you, you, you're like Bruce. You, you've failed to service the very engine of your soul. You, you, you haven't lived your life in according with the designer's operating manual. We live in, in a blissful naivety about it. And Jesus breaks in and says, that's what I've come for, to show you how to live. And, and, and I, we, there could be stacks of examples tonight I could show you. I mean, if you said that you're only ever going to live your life for money, I could give you star after star after star in Hollywood who can tell you that once they've got it all, it ain't all it's cracked up to be. I mean, didn't Lady Gaga just have an internet spat recently about how everyone's betrayed her and how greedy they are at the moment and that's the reason for Art Pop's failure, right? I'm, I'm thinking, surely, yes, of course, that's the only reason for Art Pop's failure is that everyone's betrayed her. But, you know, there, there, are, there are spiritual operating laws according to the operating manual and, and the truth about Jesus is he says, I've come in to help you navigate that. And that will, that will change you, that will revitalize you. And, and you say, give me, give me an example. Give me an example of how thinking on the truth of Jesus can change your life. Uh, there's a great example from a French guy, a mathematician called Blaise Pascal. And he was a Christian intellectually until about 1654. Pascal, I love Pascal. I've been into this thing with Mike McQueen at the moment where we've been reading from this book called uh, 131 Christians Every Person Should Know. And um, Pascal's got my vote at the moment because uh, I, I learnt probability in high school and Pascal invented probability. So it was good to see that one of my Christian brothers invented something that I find extremely boring. <laughs> and I still love him. Hey, here's the other cool one with Pascal, totally off the topic of truth. He invented the syringe. Yeah, and so that's why when you pump up your tyres on your bike, it's measured in kilo pascals. Wow, all right, people are going to go away, know nothing about truth, but know where kilopascals came from tonight. <laughs> um, where were we? Pascal. Um, here's, here's, how the, here's how he changed his relationship to the truth about Jesus Christ. You know, after he died, um, someone discovered that he used to sew into his coat pocket an excerpt from his journal that he had when he experienced this change and this shift and when he was planted. Here's what it said. And the year of grace, 1654, on Monday, 23rd of November, Feast of St. Clement, Pope and Martyr and others in the Martyrology, Vigil of St. Chris Sejonis, Martyr and others, from about half past 10 in the evening till about half past 12, Fire! Remember this. See what kind of experience it is. He wrote this down. God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, not the philosophers and scholars, certitude, certitude, feeling, joy, peace, God of Jesus Christ, thy God and my God, forgetfulness of the world and of everything except God. He is to be found only in the ways taught in the gospel, greatness of the human soul. Righteous Father, the word hath not known thee, but I've known thee. Joy, 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 tears of joy. I've separated myself from him. They've forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. My God, will thou leave me? Let me not be separated from him eternally. You see how the truth 
about Jesus rather than just the truth from Jesus changes you? If you're planted, you are changed not only to truth, but the truth about Jesus. That was Pascal. Here's the last thing. To be planted is, is to have uh, yourself changed in relation to truth. It's also to be changed in relation to the truth about Jesus. But it's be ch- a change in your relationship to truth so that truth now begins to change you. Now, some of you are saying tonight, how, how can you call the Bible truth? Are you, uh, are you saying that the Bible is truth because I've done my reading on the internet and I know that there are all sorts of discrepancies and I know that there are all sorts of contradictions. How the heck can you be saying that the Bible is truth? There's errors all through it. There's discrepancies all through it. And modern people can't believe that. It's not historically accurate. There's the, there's the contradictions. It's written by humans. Look, for, here's the first way I explain it. If, 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 someone, if someone came in here and punched young Zach in the face, stormed up the door, I'm sorry, mate, to use an example, but if, if they punched Zach in the face... And, and 15 of us all saw it and then we went back out and went with the police and we all uh, put forward our statutory declarations. Um, is it possible that on someone reading back uh, that statutory declaration of the witness of the punching of Zach, that there could be discrepancies in those statements? That things might not line up, that words and perspectives and... Is, is that possible? <laughs> I would say, yeah, that's a, that's a fair call. It's entirely possible with 15, 16 people making statements like that. But the question is, the fact that there are discrepancies in the stat decks, does that mean that the event never happened? And more importantly, does it mean that that event is not true? You see, we have to remember, you know, when John wrote his gospel, in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and I swear we saw this, he was writing a statutory declaration. The commentators say that it was written in the form, in the way that a person would submit in a court of its day. He was writing a stat declaration. The Bible is full of statutory declarations of the witness to the fact and the truth of Jesus Christ. And so just because there are discrepancies, well... Does that really negate the truth and the reality that he existed? Even the most uh, well-educated, unbelieving historian would be totally naive to deny the existence of Jesus Christ. And so that, that's the first one. But, but, but more importantly, at a, at a more nuanced level, you know, if, if someone says to me, look, have I, have I got to believe everything in the Bible to be a Christian? I say, no, you don't have to believe everything in the Bible to be a Christian. I said, when you are a Christian, you will believe everything in the Bible. You see the difference? Do I have to believe everything in the Bible to become a Christian? No, you don't have to believe everything in the Bible. When you become a Christian, you will believe everything in the Bible. And that is because you will start to move from a position of understanding the Bible to standing under the Bible. As your your ultimate reference point, you plant yourself in it. Do you guys ever remember that movie called The Stepford Wives? Anyone ever seen The Stepford Wives? Yeah. It's that movie where a bunch of men in New England, in the USA, it's a very interesting movie actually, yeah, they, they kill all of their wives and then they recreate them in identical robots so that no one else will notice. And uh, as, as a result, all of these wives uh, walk around the place and all, they do exactly whatever the guys want them to do. And if they want food from the fridge, they say, yes dear, and go off and get it and bring it back. And if they want something else, say yes dear, and they bat their eyelids and... 
And it's, it's a wonderful movie. You should go and rent it sometime this week. That's, that's the Stepford Wives. Look, if someone, if someone comes to me, and people do come to me all the time as a pastor and say, look, you, know, you can't believe everything in the Bible. You know, there, there are many things in the Bible that I just don't accept. And uh, I don't like them. I'm offended by them. And I'll believe the things in the Bible that I want to believe and the things that I want to reject, I'm going to reject. That's why I've got it. Look, if you've got a view of the Bible like that, I'm wondering how can the God of the Bible ever contradict you? Now, how can the God of the Bible ever wrestle with you? How can the God of the Bible ever shape you? How can the God of the Bible ever revive you if you've got that sort of God? You see, there are lots of truths in the Bible. I've got to tell you tonight, there are lots of truths in the Bible that you are not going to like, and that's the whole point. That's the whole point that there's stuff in this book that you and I are not going to like. There's lots of stuff in this book that I don't like. But that's the whole point because if you accept the truth of the Bible, if you don't accept the truth of the Bible, you can't have an organic, dynamic relationship with a God that's alive and living and dynamic and active. If, if, you've, if you've got a God that tells you what you think is right, that if you've got a God that never offends you, if you've got a God that never irks you, if you've got a God that never contradicts you, then who is the real God in the relationship? You know, I've got to say, the, the God that I know, the God of the universe is not, you know, he's not some yes, dear. It's the God, he's the God of the universe. He's, he's, he's the God incarnate. And, and look, if, 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 you've, if you've got a God that doesn't get in your face and challenge you and shape you, you, you you've got a God, but you haven't got the God. You know what you've got? You've got a Stepford God. Have you got a Stepford God in your life tonight? Are you seeking to understand the Bible or stand under the Bible? You see, Christians are willing to put themselves under the truth of the Bible. That's what it means. It means to work it out, to wrestle it out, and, and to tussle it out. Oh, and by the way, that's why you need community. And by the way, you can see where I'm going with this. That's why you need to sign up for a connection group. But in all seriousness, you can't, you can't know God apart from community. If you, if you refuse to be in community, if you, refuse, if you insist on reading this book alone, you, you run the danger of creating a step for God in your life. No one, nothing, no one will get in your face. No one will contradict. No one will wrestle with you. And so I guess some of you are asking as we move towards the end tonight, if, if God is supposed to change you with his truth, then why am I still the same? You know, why, why am I still, you know, I, I made this resolution when you did the overflow series last year, Sam, in January, but, you know, I'm, I'm still feeling just as angry or I'm still feeling just as bitter and I'm still feeling just as frustrated and I'm still feeling just as undisciplined. And it happens all the time. People say that to me all the time. You know, why, why aren't I looking any different? Verse 17, look at what Jesus says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify here means He's really saying, change them by your truth. And here's what I mean, how you get changed by God's truth. We've got some of our youth crew here tonight. Do you guys go and you've got to study for exams and everything when it all happens. Do you ever sort of, I don't know, get your textbooks out for biology or something like that and put them under your pillow and just sort of pray, oh Lord, I just, I really pray that I'm going to know my biology for the exam tomorrow. You, you wouldn't. You'd, well, you'd do that, Mimi, wouldn't you? You're a very spiritual young lady. I like it. But, but you, you guys, you, you study, don't you, as students? You are students of 
the Bible called your biology textbook or the math textbook, Pascal. You can tell all your friends this year when you go back to school that the guy that's doing... Pro- tell your math teachers, see what happens, eh? In the name of Jesus. Um, <laughs> sanctify. Look, seriously, we laugh at that. But as Christians, how many times do we start this time of year and we stick the Bible under the pillow and we say, Oh, Lord, I'm bitter. I'm angry. I'm frustrated. Oh, please, Lord, I pray that you will change me. You will sanctify me by your truth. Whenever you see someone sanctified by the truth, there's a habitual way of being. That is, the, the chain, this has been worked into their life so that the character and the deeds of Jesus just naturally flow from who they are. It's a, it's a reflex. It's instinctive. Have you, have you ever seen Christians like that? There's just a, an intuitive piece about them, a gentleness, a wisdom that just flows out of them. They're sanctified by the truth. You know who else was sanctified by the truth? The karate kid. He, he was. The karate kid went up to Mr. Miyagi and he says, I want to learn karate. I want to learn karate now. And Mr. Miyagi says, I'll come back tomorrow. And then, uh, then he says, no, no, uh, uh, Mr. Miyagi, I, I want to learn karate now. He says, no, no, first we, we paint the house. Paint on, paint off. Paint on, paint off. Oh, but, uh, okay, I've painted the house, Mr. Miyagi. Uh, uh, let's do karate. I want to do karate now. No, come back tomorrow. He comes back the next day. Mr. Miyagi, I, I, I want to, I want to do, learn karate. I've got to do karate now. No, first we wash the car. And You're ready for it. You can say it with me. Wax on, wax off. Wax on, wax off. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, now I've got to, I, want to learn, I want to learn karate now. Uh, no, come back tomorrow, says Mr. Miyagi. Tomorrow we sleep the floor. Now, if you've seen the Karate Kid, he, he turns into a master at the right time. It, it, was, it, was, it was a reflex. It was instinctive. It was part of him. And, and, and see, little did he realize in all of those moments with the stupid painting and the sweeping and the wax on, wax off, the Grand Master was crafting him and creating him into a level of sanctification where it naturally flowed from who he was. You say, I believe in God, but why am I still angry? Why am I still bitter? Why am I frustrated? Okay, okay, it's okay tonight. You're just the karate kid. I want to do karate now. I want to do Christianity now. No, 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 no. First we sleep, sweep the floor. First we wash the car. And unless you're willing to view God like Mr. Miyagi, unless you're willing to see God as the ultimate master who trusts, that is, is, is crazy and as little sense that it makes for you right now to maintain these what could feel like boring and mundane disciplines? If you could just have that view of God tonight, that he is working you into something great and he's working you something into resili- in, in something that is resilient, then from there it, w- it will eventually become a reflex of who you really are. In other words, you've got, to, you've got to keep working it in. You can't just sleep on it tonight. You've got to work the truth into you. And so what that means is that you should be so changed by the truth that you allow the truth to change you two ways. Have you come under it? Have you come underneath it? Are you, are you trying to understand the Bible or are you standing under the Bible? And the second one is you have to work on it. Wax on, wax off. Wax on, wax off. So where do you sit in the spectrum of truth tonight? I figure there's, there's, there's probably th- three different types of people that we've got here tonight. You know, the, the, the first type of people, we have them here all the time. And there, there are the Pontius Pilots. They're the ones that, 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 that have come to church and you're checking the Christianity thing out and you've got an audience with Jesus Christ himself. 
and you're asking, what is truth? And what is this Christianity thing all about? And I'm saying, look, that's a great place to be and you're welcome here. It's why we exist as a church. Continue to ask that question. My question for you, though, is how are you asking that question? Is it, are you being genuine about it or are you being cheeky about it? And then, of course, you've got the, the mats from WA. You've, you've been doing the Christianity thing for a while and you, you understand it and, and you get it. And, in fact, you, you're quite open to Christianity. And so you can take the truth from Jesus, but you haven't been transformed by the truth about Jesus. And then for the rest of us, brothers and sisters, we're the karate kids. Wax on, wax off. You know, I know what it likes. I, I know what it feels like, the frustration. I want to do karate now. I want, to do the, I want the love. I want the joy. I want the peace. I want the wisdom. I want the greatness. It's not going to happen until we work it in. You know, when we come to the realisation that Christianity is a truth, that we're changed in relation to truth, that it's the ultimate truth, that we come to start understanding that Christianity is not a life of just uh, words and it's not a life uh, where you come in and follow rules and procedures, although there are words that are a body of truth. But if you think that's all it's about, then you haven't really gotten the Christian life at all. It's, it's about a getting a divine life into you, a, a, a divine truth. It's not just a truth out there, but a truth that enters into you and it changes you and it transforms you from the inside out. That's what being planted in the truth is. And that's why Jesus, when he came down to earth and when he spoke to Pilate and when he spoke to his disciples and when he spoke to those people that witnessed who he was, he didn't say, look, I'll show you the truth. He said, I am the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Let's pray.